All right, let's pray together and we'll open up God's word. It's just so encouraging to hear, Lord, what you've done in Willie and Gretchen. And I pray, Lord, that the power you've brought upon them to make them who they are, you'd bring upon us now through your word to make us more of being like Jesus. So bring your power, open our hearts, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, first of all, congratulations, Mercy Hill. Uh, Today we finish up James, 21 Sundays later. Okay, Lord willing, we'll finish today. And uh, this has been really powerful for me. I know I've been hearing reports from you. It's been a good time. Now, what I want to challenge you to do is make James part of your spiritual armory so that you've got all the notes from these Sundays and we've worked through it so that you can use this in your own heart, use this in the hearts of those in your home group to build them in faith. So use James. Don't just finish it and then move on, but use it, learn it, live it, pray it, soak yourselves in it even more. But so this morning we're coming to the end, James five nineteen through 20. So let's go ahead and turn there. Uh, in your Bibles. If you need a Bible, we want you all to have one so that you can look because the Bible is the important words you're going to hear this morning. Not mine so much or at least to whatever extent I can unfold the Bible. That's what's important here. Page 113 in the Bibles we're passing out. So whenever you bring, um, this is actually a letter. The book of James is a letter written to a group of believers who fled Jerusalem to escape persecution, went about 60, 50, 60 miles north to Syria, North Palestine, homeless, refugees, dirt poor. And James writes this letter to them. And if you wrote a five-chapter letter to someone, it would be a big deal, as it was to James. And if you were going to come to the end, you're thinking, now how do I want to close this? You'd give it some careful thought. How are you going to end this five-chapter long letter? So let's take a look at how James ends this letter. James 5, 19 through 20. How does he bring this to a close? Look at what he says. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul. This sinner's wandering sinner's soul will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So here's James' final words, the end. You know, lick the envelope, send off the letter, okay? So here's his final words. If, if a brother or a sister is wandering from the faith, bring them back. You'll save a soul from death, you'll cover a multitude of sins. Bring them back. So this is what James would say to us here. If you see a brother, see a sister wandering from the truth, wandering away from the truth, bring them back. So I just want to kind of unfold this. And the first question that struck me was, well, how could I tell if a brother or sister is wandering from the truth? What would I look at? How, how could I tell if that was happening? And what James is saying here by the, the picture of wandering from the truth is, first of all, there's, there is truth that we can be either in or wandering from, right? I mean, right now this morning, each of you are either in the truth or you're wandering from the truth. God has revealed truth to us that you're either in or wandering from. And I think you can summarize this truth, we've seen it all through James' letter, with six words. Here's my summary of the truth. It starts with God. From eternity past, God has always been 
in the fellowship of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, full of joy in delighting in their perfections, their love, their goodness, their wisdom, their power as a trinity. So from eternity past, God has always been overflowing with joy, celebrating his perfection as God. And then God moves to the truth of creation. The overflow of his joy was to create a universe and a world and you and me so that, here's why, here's why you're here, you could share with, so that he could share with you His joy in his goodness, perfection, power, love, so that you could have the heart-filling joy of depending upon him, knowing him, loving him. See, you are wired to find your highest pleasure in beholding greatness. That's why you're going to watch the 49ers today. You're hoping to see some greatness today, all right? You've been been wired to behold, and compared to the 49ers, (laughs) easy, uh, God is infinitely great. And so your highest joy as a, as a human being created by God is to see God's greatness, depend upon God's greatness, love his beauty, adore him, depend upon him, submit to him, obey him, worship him, exalt him. That's creation. That's why you're here. So we got God, got creation. So what did we all do? Sin. Every one of us little puny created beings saw God in his spectacular Beauty, creativity, wisdom, goodness, power. He's saying, trust me, obey me, worship me, look at me. You can be filled with joy, I'll take care of you forever. We've all said, no, forget it. We've all gone our own way. Anything but bending the knee to a superior. No, thank you. And that was so wicked that God justly has condemned every one of us to eternal hell. It's right. God, creation, sin, salvation. God has done something unbelievable if it wasn't in his word and if Jesus didn't come and tell us about it. God sent his own son, Jesus. He came to earth in the person of Jesus, lived among us so we could see even more clearly who God is. And Jesus, when he died on the cross, this was God the Father punishing Jesus, his beloved son, with the punishment that you deserve and the punishment that I deserve. So that when you bend the knee before Jesus Christ and say, I am sorry, I I receive you into my life as my savior, as my Lord from now on, as my heart satisfying treasure, to know you is my life, like we sang this morning. The moment you trust Jesus, forgiven for all your sins, God's power goes to work, starts to change you, so you become like Hamid now, right? Is that, did I get the name right? Okay. God's power goes to work, starts to change you, and you are adopted into God's family. God is your father. You're loving, providing, guiding, strengthening, comforting, satisfying with his love and presence, Father, from now into eternity. God, creation, sin, salvation. Salvation moves to mission, All followers of Jesus, we all devote our lives to the mission, to building up our brothers and sisters in faith, our wives, husbands, kids, home group, that's how we're doing it here, building up our brothers and sisters in the faith so that we can go on mission together to help people in our neighborhoods come to know Jesus. Work associates, like Willie's dad with IBM and all the executives. Uh, Neighbors, work associates, friends, and the unreached 
uttermost parts of the earth. That's our mission, is to make Jesus known, to see people come to know Christ. So we've got God, creation, sin, salvation, mission, and mission ends up with restoration. Jesus will win people to himself in your neighborhood and in your workplace and in in our city and every nation, tongue, and tribe will be impacted by the gospel. And when Jesus' saving purpose is finished, then he will return to earth. All world history will be over. Uh, He will cast into hell Satan and his demons and those who have continued in rebellion against him. And he will gather to himself those he's redeemed at the price of his blood. And he will wipe away every tear from your eyes. And he will gather you to himself, brothers and sisters, to be with him in the presence of the Father and the Son, by the Spirit, the new heavens and the new earth forever. So there's the truth. Okay? There's the truth. It's all through the scriptures. God's revealed this to us. And you're either this morning, I am either this morning, in the truth or wandering from the truth. And the people that you're sitting around this morning, the the brothers and sisters in your home group right now, are either in the truth or wandering from the truth. So how could you tell if if you or one of your brothers and sisters was, was wandering from the truth? The way you could tell is this. If you're in the truth, you will be living the way James has called us to live. It's very simple. If you're not living the way James has called us to live, then you're wandering from the truth. It's very black and white. So let's just take a little survey back through James. How is James calling us to live? And to ask yourself this question, James wants us to be attuned to the fact that there's brothers and sisters we have, maybe husbands, wives, kids, parenting, this is all part of parenting too, who are wandering from the truth. Here's how we can tell. Let's go back. James chapter 1 verse 2. He says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So if you have a brother who's not counting his trials as joy, not seeking in prayer and the word to do that, he's wandering from the truth. Straight up. Okay? So James would say, James 1.21, he calls us to receive with meekness the implanted word, to put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. So if there's a sister in your home group who is letting the filthiness of the world, the gossip, the slander, the pride, the, the greed, whatever, stick. And they're not, she's not with meekness longing for the word, in the word, soaking in the word, wandering from the truth. Okay? Chapter 1, verse 26, James calls us to bridle our tongues. If, if you or, or a brother or sister in your home group is not bridling your, his or her tongue from slander or gossip or you know, defaming other people or boastfulness, that kind of thing, you're wandering from the truth. Okay, are you feeling this? It's like, really? Yes, really. You're, you're wandering. They're wandering from the truth. James 1.27, he calls us to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. So if you or if a brother or sister does not have a heart for the poor, the widows, the orphans, the needy, and doing something about it, you are wandering from the truth. This is straight up what James would say. Do you get this? This is really serious. James chapter 2 verse 1. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be partial to the rich or shun the poor. Don't be partial to the popular or the connected and shun those who are maybe not as connected or not as popular. If, if, if someone in your home group or if you are showing partiality in that way, in some way you're wandering from the truth. Let's keep going. James chapter 2, verse 16, he tells us to care for each other's financial needs. 
If there's someone in your home group who's got a financial burden and you don't care about them, you're wandering from the truth. Or your brother and sister, if they don't care about them, they're wandering. James 3.14 says, don't have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts. If you've got jealousy or bitter, I'm sorry, if you've got, uh, what was it again? Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts. If in your heart there's bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, that you're just letting run, and you're not fighting the fight of faith, you're not confessing it, you're not saying, Jesus, help me, you're just letting it be there, or they're just letting it be there, they're wandering from the truth. Chapter 4, verse 1, says we shouldn't quarrel and fight. You know, you can quarrel and fight outwardly in the body of Christ, in, in, in a home group. You also can have a quarrel with somebody inwardly that nobody else knows about. If there's anger against someone, so if you're harboring anger, if you're harboring unforgiveness against someone, if there's quarrel and conflict, then, then you are not, you're not in the truth. You're, you're starting to wander like bah, sheep, you know, wandering from the truth at that point. Chapter 411, don't speak against each other. Don't slander each other, gossip each other, defame each other. Chapter 4, verse 13, we should always say if the Lord wills, we will do this or this. Don't make plans independently of God. So if there's a brother or sister who's just not acknowledging God in his or her life, just making plans with no dependence upon God, reliance upon God, you should be concerned that possibly they're wandering from the truth. James 5.8, he says, be patient. A good tip off for myself, I can tell when I'm not in the truth is when I'm not being, when, I'm, when impatience is rising in me. And that's a way that you can tell a brother or sister is wandering from the truth if they're becoming impatient. James 5.9, do not grumble against one another. Okay, If somebody's grumbling against bosses or husband or wife or grumbling about kids, grumbling is, it, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in the truth that God's here. He loves me. He's in control. He's going to help me. I'm grumbling. I don't believe that anymore. I'm, I'm wandering. Chapter 5, verse 12, don't lie. That shows we're wandering. Chapter 5, verse 13, if you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, praise. If somebody's suffering, but there's no prayer, God help me, strengthen me. If somebody's cheerful, they've gotten blessings, but there's no praise, thank you, Lord. Could be wandering going on. Chapter 5, 14, if we're not confessing our sins to one another, praying for each other when we're sick, is there wandering from the truth going on? And then finally, James 5, 19 and 20, if if someone's wandering from the truth and we're not seeking to bring them back, then we're wandering from the truth. Okay? So I wanted to go through this both to give a quick recap of the book, since this is our last Sunday, but also so that you could get in touch with what is James talking about when he's thinking that someone's wandering from the truth. This is what he would be referring to. This is the truth. James chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5. That's the truth. And if we're not following what James is saying, then we're not living in the truth of God and creation and sin and salvation and mission and restoration. So, I mean, I should just pause at this point. Are you wandering from the truth? Because you may be. I mean, I'm sure there's some people here where you really are wandering from the truth. You're, you're not in the truth. And again, you know you're in the truth not because you're perfect, but because you're taking heed to what James is saying and saying, I want to live this way. Forgive me when I'm not. Strengthen me. You're not settling. You're not continuing knowingly, rebelliously, in unconfessed areas of sin. That's how you can tell you're in the truth. But if you're not, then you're wandering. So are, are you wandering? Are you wandering from the truth today? Are you in the truth or are you wandering from the truth? We're going to see in a few moments why that is so absolutely serious not to wander.
But now can you think of someone in your home group or in your, in your circle of influence who you think, that person may be wandering from the truth. Can you think of someone? I, I think we probably all could think of someone where they, they might be wandering from the truth. That's what James is envisioning. And you, you could do this really judgmentally and like proudly. And James would say, well, then you're wandering from the truth. Okay? Or you could do this humbly, brokenly, with tears maybe even. And James would say, that's it. That, that's the heart. See the difference? Okay, so if you have somebody in mind then, what does James call us to do? when someone's wandering from the truth. And read verses 19 and 20 again. My brothers. This is, remember, this is his last word. Last two verses of this five-chapter letter. My brothers, if anyone among you, body of Christ, wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So what James calls us to do is bring them back. Bring them back. Go to them with tears maybe and a humble heart and seek to help them see. I mean, you want to ask, you don't know if they're wandering, but it looks like you're wandering are you? This is serious if you are. I want to help you. Okay? So I, I just thought of five words that might be helpful for how to do this. How do you bring someone back? Five words. First of all, do it humbly. Okay? Do it humbly. Which means that, first of all, you've got to see you're a sinner in need of grace. Okay, and your very going towards them to seek to restore them could be the time when you, your pride rises up and you wander from the faith because of your pridefulness in that encounter. So go humbly. You are just as much in need of God's grace as they are. You're not better than them. You're right with them. You're coming alongside them. You're partnering with them. Do it humbly. Do it lovingly. Okay, that is, sometimes you can go to someone who's wandering and kind of be ticked that they're wandering, right? It's like, come on! If that's where your heart's at, don't go to them because you're wandering, okay? You need to come before the Lord and ask him, would you fill me with love for this brother, for this sister, for my husband, my kids, my wife, whoever it might be? Would you fill me with your love so that you can go to them and you love them? You care about them. This isn't about you. This isn't about your anger towards them. You, you love them. You care for them. And they can feel that in you. Maybe you're going to them with tears because you care so much. So humbly, lovingly, do this grace fully, which is not, like, not gracious, grace, graceful like you know, skill, or, but you're full of grace, full of God's grace. That is your words and your attitude and your heart just show God's grace, shine with God's grace. So when they hear you talking, they're hearing, Jesus is for me. God will help me. There's answers for me. There's deliverance for me. There's salvation for me. There's forgiveness for me. God's grace is here for me. So that it's all, it's good news you're bringing to them. Okay, gracefully. Do this truthfully. That is full of the truth of God's word. Okay, the word is the sword of the spirit. You want to give them the sword, the big, shimmering, shining, sharp sword of the Spirit to slay their dragons, not the little rubber dagger of your generalities and opinions. You know, it's not nice to do that. Well, chapter and verse, please. Give me a sword, please. 
So chapter and verse, help them see it in the scriptures. And then do this prayerfully, praying with them, praying for them, coming with them to the, to the cross. Let, let's come to the cross together. Can we pray together? I need to be at the cross. You need to be at the foot of the cross. Let's come to the foot of the cross together and pray. And Jesus will meet you. Jesus will help you. Please turn. Please see this. Please respond. He's running towards you with open arms, prodigal son, father story. Okay, so it's humbly, lovingly, gracefully, truthfully, and prayerfully. But see, too often if we see a brother or sister wandering from the truth, what we say is, oh, they'll get it worked out between them and God. Right? Christianity is a private thing. Just, just let them work it out. Or, or we say, uh, you know, who am I to go and, and talk to them? Right? I mean, I'm, I'm not perfect and, and we're not. Or we say, surely there's somebody else more qualified than me to go and talk to them. And see, if we say, who am I to go do that? Or if we say, there must be somebody more qualified. Um, or if we say, that's between them and God. And if we don't go, we're disobeying what God's called us to do. We're disobeying what God has called us to do. It's like Willie said, go, right? Bring them back. That's what you are called to do. You, you are called to do that. Okay, now why is this so important? What James says here is very sobering. And it might stretch your theology a little bit, or a lot, depending on your background. Why is it so crucial that we bring them back? Read verses 19 and 20 again. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Period. End of letter. Woe. When you bring a brother back, two things happen. One, you save his soul from death. And all the commentators I said agreed that this is not saving them from physical death because you will save his soul from death. Physical death doesn't touch the soul, right? You will save his soul from death means that you will save this brother's soul from eternal death in hell. That's exactly, I mean, can you see how clear that is? Save his soul from death. And, second thing, will cover a multitude of sins. When the Bible talks about sins being covered, it's talking about our sins being forgiven. Remember the Old Testament, the blood would cover um, the sacrifice. It's like your sins are covered uh, by the blood of the Lamb, which is Jesus. And so, if your sins are uncovered, God sees them, judgment's coming. If your sins have been covered by Jesus' death, your sins are forgiven. God doesn't see them. They've been paid for in Jesus. You're accepted, loved, forgiven. Everything, everything in your reality, now and forever depends upon your sins being covered by Jesus' death. See that? Everything depends upon this. And when you bring a brother back from wandering, you save his soul from eternal death 
in hell because his sins are covered by Jesus' blood and forgiven. Now, do you see why this is such a serious thing that James is getting at here? In other words, eternity is at stake. Now, this this probably raises some theological questions. That's a good thing. Uh, I'm not going to answer. I'm going to raise one and and let you work on the rest of them on your own. Your home group leader will answer them this week. Um, But I want you to to picture what this means. Like, Imagine that you're a shepherd with, with a flock of sheep. And imagine that like 20 yards away, there's like a one-foot little drop-off right over there, a one-foot little drop-off. Now, if you saw a sheep wandering towards that one-foot drop-off, not that big a deal, right? It's okay. What if that one-foot drop-off was a 5,000-foot sheer cliff and you saw a sheep wandering towards it? Can you feel how differently you'd feel about it? No, no! I mean, right? Because it's not just like, bloop, it's like, ah! See it? Right there, okay. All right. Okay, now, now, now bring this home, though, to your heart. When your brother or sister is wandering from the truth, as far as you know, and you don't know everything, okay, but as far as you know, they're moving towards a 5,000-foot cliff. And we're just going to say, see you next week? Right? Or I hope somebody talks to them who is stronger spiritually than I am? Or who am I? They'll think I'm judging? Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. The end. And here's a question that that I, I do want to address. Does this mean that you can be saved genuinely at one point and then not be saved and go to hell. Godly people have differed on that question, but uh, we elders here and, and where, where we are as a church, is our answer to that would be no. But listen carefully to why, okay? And this is just kind of a challenge for you to do some studying here. I put two truths in your notes with some scripture so that you can work on both of these. First of all, one truth that we believe is clear, clearly taught in the scripture is that when God saves someone, he starts a supernatural change in his or her heart that he, he starts it and that he will continue all the way through until heaven. So when God, Philippians 1, 6 is, is one helpful verse, he who began a good work in you will continue it until the day of Christ Jesus. He begins the good work, he saves you, he gives you repentance, gives you faith, changes your heart. He will continue doing that. You won't be perfect, there will be ups and downs, but you will not fall away finally. He will keep you persevering in faith all the way to the end. So no one can be genuinely saved and end up not in heaven. It's one truth the Bible teaches. So we've we got to just get that into our hearts and minds. The second truth that the Bible also teaches, though, and and groups can tend to choose one of these or the other, and I see them both there. The second truth is that we must persevere in faith until the end if we are to be saved. Matthew 24, I can't think of the exact verse. He who perseveres to the end will save his soul. Okay? You can look at other passages there. 
Now, this doesn't mean that somebody can lose their salvation. If someone does not persevere in faith until the end, that shows that the good work was never started genuinely to begin with. That's, that's my understanding of how that fits with the first truth. But what, do you see what this means? And again, we could talk a lot about this, but just I'm just going to kind of send you into your, to your study with your Bible and these scriptures. But see, what this means is that it is absolutely critical that your brother persevere in faith until the end. And it means, I mean, eternity is at stake in whether your brother or sister perseveres in faith until the end. And it means that God has chosen to use your encouragement as one of the ways he's going to keep your brother or sister persevering in faith until the end. Now, this changes the dynamic of fellowship dramatically. Because we look each other in the eye and we say, I am going to lay my life down to encouraging you because your eternity is at stake and I love you and I want to do everything I can to build you in the faith that God might use me and our other brothers and sisters to keep you persevering in faith until the end and you keep persevering in faith until the end because eternity is at stake. It's earnest. It's, it's crucial. This is vital that we do this. Do, do you feel this? So, what does this mean for us as a church? Let me just mention two things and, and send you to do some more thinking and praying and pondering about this. One thing it means is we need to be church communities uh, in, in our home groups, little, little communities of believers, where this is happening on a regular basis. I don't, I don't think there's many believers who fellowship in this kind of an earnest, in-your-face, lovingly, humbly, in-your-face kind of way. But we need to live this way. We need to live this way. I need this. I've got blind spots that God will use you to help me see. Straight up, he will. You've got blind spots, and God will use your brothers and sisters to help you see. And your brothers and sisters have blind spots that God will use you to help them see. And what all of this does is it, it, it just brings a spirit of humility and brokenness, and let's be at the foot of the cross together. Right? Because we all have blind spots and we all need each other's fellowship. And so I want to encourage us. We've got to live this way in our home groups. We've got to want this. You've got to be willing to receive this. If you say, well, you know, I, I, that doesn't sound like a, like a fun church to be part of. You know, I'd rather just like, you know, go to a meeting than see you next week. And, and, and I don't want people coming to me talking about my sin. Then you don't want church. Not this church. You don't want church then. Church is a place where I trust with humility and brokenness and with tears. A brother or sister will come to you and say, can we talk? I may be wrong, but here's what I think I may be seeing. Can we talk about this? And where you'll go and do that with another brother too. So we need to have fellowship this way. This is what we've got to do. And then the second thing I just want to bring out is God's brought somebody to your attention this morning who you think might be wandering from the truth. And, and Jesus, through James, is calling you to go to them. Talk to them after the service today. Could we talk this week? Could I come by and, and, and can we visit a little bit? Um, let me call them this afternoon and set something up. There, there's people that, that, that the Holy Spirit has brought into your mind that he wants you to talk to this week with humility, with love, with grace, focusing on God's grace, with the truth of God's word, and with prayer where you join with them at the foot of the cross. This is what God's called us to do. Let's stand together. I want to pray over us. In fact, here's what I want. Uh, those of you who this morning feel like God's calling you to, 
to talk to someone. I, I just want to have you come up and we want to pray for you because you're feeling like, oh boy, you know, I'm in the vise now. So come on up, we want to pray for you. If, if God's bringing somebody to your mind, you just say, Lord, is this, what should I do? How, when should I talk to him? Just come on up. We want to pray for you. Also, if, if you are thinking that you're wandering from the truth, we want to pray for you too this morning. Because um, if you're wandering from the truth, don't say, well, as soon as somebody comes and talks to me, I'll come back. If you're wandering from the truth, James would say, come back into the truth. You, now, come back into the truth. So if you're wandering from the truth, we want to pray for you too. Okay, come on in, come into the center here. Anybody else? This is good. It's good to pray. Lord, I ask. This is such an amazing passage, and it's sobering, but it's just crystal clear true. And I, I, I guess some of us from our backgrounds are struggling a little bit with how you can promise that we'll keep persevering, and yet you tell us we must keep persevering. Help us to get these things put together. But, but Lord, for now, just help us to focus on these two truths, which are just right there in the Word. Even if we can't put them together, they're both true. And just to say yes to what James is saying. Okay, eternity is at stake with my brother, my sister. I don't know all the details. I don't know exactly what's going on, but I, at least I need to go and say, well, I could be wrong what's going on. So I pray for your power to come upon these who are here right now. And I pray, first of all, just for a confirmation that, this, that they're right in responding this way to your word. Bring confirmation upon them right now, I pray in Jesus' name. Bring your peace. Bring your strength. Bring clarity of mind that they would, they would see this person and your love for them, your death for them, your tears and weeping for them, and that you'd give them part of this heart right now, part of your heart right now. Lord, let them feel even more compassion right now by the work of your spirit. Let them feel even more care right now by the work of your spirit. Lord, bring, bring tears if that would be what you'd want. But let them feel your heart. Let them feel the weightiness of eternity. And then, Lord, give them boldness, holy boldness right now, I pray. Fill them with boldness. That they're in sync with your word. They're in line with your scriptures. And they would feel the, the, the pleasure of the Father upon them as they're heading in this direction. Do that now, I pray, right now. God, I pray that you'd work in all of us as a church, that we would be open to receiving a brother or a sister who in humility and love would care enough to want to talk to us. I pray for those who are here this morning who, who think that maybe they're wandering from the truth. Thank you for helping them see that. What a gift. Oh, thank you, Lord God, for opening their eyes so it's not just about showing up at church or about saying yes to certain doctrines, but it's about living in the truth, obeying your word. So, Lord, right now, you, you've, you've caused them to take this seriously. Right now, meet them, I pray. Grant them repentance. Grant them change of hearts. 
break the power of whatever temptation, whatever difficulty is, is moving them out of the truth to wander towards something else. Break the power of that now, we pray in Jesus' name. Wash them, cleanse them, let them feel your grace, let them sense your love, let them see you running towards them with open arms, have them just turn around and head right back into the truth, Lord. Put this upon us, God. That song is exactly the truth, Lord. All of our hearts are prone to wander and left to ourselves, we will all wander away. But you, the good work you've started, you will continue until the day of Christ Jesus. And you use our brothers and sisters as part of the way to keep that good work going. So Lord, let us rest in the assurance that you'll keep us persevering. And let us be stirred with the, the, eternal urgent, the eternally significant urgency of going to our brothers and sisters. Thank you for your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.